This is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks of Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to human life and to God than to reject His salvation, available only through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for joining us today. In previous broadcasts, you may have heard us talk about true Christians and the kinds of lives to which they would aspire. You may also have thought after hearing that, well, that's just fine for them to say, but I can't buy into all that Jesus stuff. It's just too hard. Someone else has already considered those thoughts. In his 1910 book, What's Wrong with the World?, the apologist G.K. Chesterton wrote, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. All around us, we see examples of people who complain that Christianity doesn't work or those who call themselves Christians but do not live in a way to glorify Jesus Christ. It is not our goal to put others down or to call attention to those who have fallen. Rather, we want to encourage those who have seen all these things yet are thinking in their hearts that there just has to be something more to this Jesus thing. Yes, there is more to Jesus, much more. We have also mentioned in several messages that following Jesus will cost you all that you are and have. We have also said that this life is not easy, but we can assure you with everything that is in us, following the Lord Jesus is worth the investment of your whole life. One thing that helps keep us on track is to remember how we came to Jesus in the first place. Stop and think back for a moment. Do you remember the first time you knew beyond any doubt or dispute that Jesus is who he claims to be, the Savior, the only begotten Son of the living God? Romans 10 tells us, starting at verse 5, Moses said that a person could become acceptable to God by obeying the law. He did this when he wrote, If you want to live, you must do all that the law commands. But people whose faith makes them acceptable to God will never ask, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down? Neither will they ask, who will go down into the world of the dead to raise him to life? All who are acceptable because of their faith simply say, the message is as near as your mouth or your heart. And this is the same message we preach about faith. So you will be saved if you honestly say Jesus is Lord and if you believe with all your heart that God raised him from the dead. God will accept you and save you if you truly believe this and tell it to others. The scriptures say that no one who has faith will be disappointed. No matter if that person is a Jew or a Gentile, There is only one Lord, and he is generous to everyone who asks for his help. All who call out to the Lord will be saved. One could take these verses and say that the law must be fulfilled. Jesus addressed this issue after feeding several thousand people, as it is recorded in the sixth chapter of John, starting at verse 26. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe 
and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus just said, There is no way to eternal life without him, and no one can even come to Jesus unless the Father allows it and draws him by his Spirit. Go back and look at John chapter 6, verses 44 and 65. The Father must draw people to Jesus. But lest there be some skeptics out there among our listeners, Jesus clarified just who is drawn by his bold statement at John chapter 12, just after he asks his Father to glorify his name. Starting at verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. It is the desire and will of the Father for Jesus to be lifted up, to be pointed to, to be paid attention to, and focused upon. He has determined that people who have accepted him will be the carriers of this glory to those who don't know or want to know Jesus. For to lift up Jesus is to bring a demonstration of his character as an indicator of trustworthiness and to bring manifestation of his presence among humanity as an indicator of reality. This is what true Christians want in their lives. But we are back to the question of how. The thing we must remember is that Jesus lived as a human on earth, but without sin. He knows just how to help those who call on him. Listen to what the scriptures tell us about him. In Hebrews 2, starting at verse 9, we read, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like the brothers in every respect, 
so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And at Hebrews 4, starting at verse 14, We have a great high priest who has gone into heaven, and he is Jesus, the Son of God. That is why we must hold on to what we have said about him. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness and we will find help. The world saw the 31st Olympiad in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, when every athlete who made it into the arena for the opening ceremonies didn't go home with the medal. Many didn't even qualify to compete in the contest for which they had sacrificed, suffered, and trained, some for decades. Some athletes came with the reputations as shoe-ins, that is, everyone believed that they would win at least one gold medal in their respective events. Some athletes came as nobodies, that is, until something extraordinary happened, and they stunned everyone with performances that no one expected. Some athletes came expecting gold, but disappointed themselves and their fans because they just couldn't put out what was needed to win. But every one of those men and women who came to compete had trained, believed they were ready, and took their best chance to win gold. We are also in a contest, but the stakes are much, much higher. The Apostle Paul tells us at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we and imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us of the admonition from Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, at Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. 
Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The athletic metaphor appears again at Philippians 3, starting at verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 9, we read, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Be bold, be brave, follow Jesus, and call on him to help when you are tempted and in danger of falling. If you do fall, confess, repent. That means to stop what you need to repent of and call on him to help you get back up and stay up. This is how the athletes do it. Remember, the prize for whom you compete is Jesus himself. Since you were made in the image of God, do not dishonor him and yourself by rejecting the one who already won you as his prize. We at Say One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for his calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or at our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.